0: Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the conference of presidents of major american jewish organizations joins us friday mornings for the weekly update here at jm in the am mr honline welcome back to jm in the am hi good to be with you a pleasure to have you on the um the news of the morning of course is the decision by uh, unesco i should say the vote more accurately uh, by unesco the uh uh, holy places in the city of Hebron essentially are being attributed to the uh, Palestinians. Uh, your reaction to this breaking news story?
1: Well, it was—it's uh, regrettable because the vote was, I think, twelve in favor, three against, and six abstained. Um, now you, they needed fourteen votes to declare it on an emergency matter, which they did not get. The uh, the the. the Declaration of this resolution is essentially saying that that, uh, that the cave of the patriarchs, that Mara is a Palestinian heritage site, and it will be so ruled. So it joins virtually all the other sites that we've discussed, the, the, Rachel's Tomb, the Kotel, the Harabayat and Temple Mount. All of them have been designated by their Muslim name, and now we will see that the Cave of the Patriarchs will be the same. And this is uh, ignoring thousands of years of Jewish history, um, uh, and it's it's certainly disturbing because the UN's own study, their own experts' report, it essentially rebuffed the charges by the uh, Palestinians and said, number one, that it didn't take into account the Jewish history, the Jewish um, um, background, the, the, the traditional Judeo-Christian heritage. And second, they said that there's no emergency, that there's nothing in danger, that they were able to visit where, the places they could visit, and they saw that it's uh, it's not a, a serious um, there's no serious threat. There's no danger, and in fact, uh, the Palestinians they interviewed said that the the, um, uh, the that the cooperation from Israelis is is wonderful, and they work together, and they share, and whatever arrangements, and especially in security uh, arrangements, are um, are more than acceptable. So this is the traditional United Nations vote, certainly UNESCO. Uh, it's disgraceful. I think it's a disgrace for them. And we should not dismiss the significance about what the potential aftermath and, and consequences of this could be when, the, when we have uh, um, generations to come being saddled with this historic decision. It's it, 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 it's only the uh, UNESCO people tell me, or it's only the United Nations, and it doesn't matter. It does matter. And and when our grandchildren are denied access to it because they say, well, the United Nations, you know, X years ago voted that these are really Palestinian sites. Right.
0: Um, first of all, in the news reports about this specific vote, it, it says, and not that the news is always right, but it's portrayed – and it's the first time ever that a religious site has has been designated as such. Do they mean because now it's designated to the state of Palestine, or are they just making a mistake? And as you said earlier, the Western Wall, Temple Mount, etc. They've all been designated already for the Palestinians.
1: No, this resolution goes beyond it, and as you, as you noted, this is the first one that actually makes reference to this as uh, uh, as part of the state of Palestine, and this designates it a Palestinian heritage uh, site. So. Uh, It goes beyond what we've had before, and this is the World Heritage Committee of UNESCO. It's not even the full UNESCO vote. Uh, I'm not sure whether this has to go back to UNESCO now for further action or not
0: um so where did all this go wrong i mean one can dismiss this as simply a a bias vote and we know there is a bias especially in the united nations when it comes to israel and by the way that's totally acceptable but does israel or its representatives or the way things have been handled in recent years or even before that uh, any of the blame get laid at their feet at the feet of I don't know, Israeli officials, UNESCO representatives at the UN, maybe the way the prime ministers over the years have dealt with Hebron have not really shown that we believe ourselves as 100% ours. I don't know. Is there any theory?
1: There's nothing the- Israel could do because the facts are very clear. And as I said, the UN experts in their own assessment that was presented to the members, and, and, and this was done in the months before the vote, um, and it's, it's uh, ridiculous. They have no um basis for making this uh, this charge if anything israel has done everything and anybody who's visited marissa you know that the, the Muslims have full access even preferential treatment there and that the uh, israel has gone out of its way it's sensitivity when somebody i know donated a roof that was supposed to be built and out of sensitivity because they were concerned that people would think that they're expanding did not put up over the jewish entrance the kind of cover that was uh, uh, prepared for the Muslim mentions. Right. So there's nothing, it's it's not a question that Israel does something wrong. Israel's done everything right, I think, in this regard. This is just purely a, a ploy on their part, and they're trying to, it's part of delegitimizing Israel, the Jewish people, Jewish history, and they get the imprimatura of the international body. Nobody will check how the votes went or how many people voted or what the reports were. All you will have is this historic record, and now... U.N. documents will, again, only list the Muslim name for this site as they do now with the others.
0: As absurd as the claim is, meaning the Palestinian claim to Ma'ara but even more absurd is Kevorechel. I mean, uh, at least at the Marat there's a, a figure buried who, you know, the, who who they tell us, you know, has a significant role in their religion and their history. But, I mean, Kevorechel is even more, Rachel's tomb is even more absurd than that.
1: Well, I'm not sure Rachel's tomb is more absurd. Here you have the the Bible gives us the contract that was signed. We all know exactly, you know, how the cave of the patriarchs came to be, how Abraham bought it, how much he paid for it. I mean, this is, there's no, uh, there probably is no comparable place on earth where you know exactly every detail. Of how it was transferred to the Jewish people, to to a specific people in a, by a specific contract, who the seller was, who the buyer was, right. and at this the point, think about that. You know, all the places people claim who can show a document and say, "Listen, here's the historic record; it's in your Bible."
0: Right, and you've pointed out that the the, the places that get most challenged in terms of claims by Palestinian people, Arabs, etc are the ones that are most clearly uh, historically owned by and properly obtained by Jews. Maratha being one of the examples, of
1: course. Right. They actually changed the resolution. that became a new draft uh, uh, resolution. And they voted in a secret ballot. And, and the session was quite chaotic from the reports, the initial reports we've gotten. We don't have the details yet, but... It's it, and there, there is now a race on for who will succeed as the new head of UNESCO, and that vote will is now the race is now underway, and we have a, a Qatari candidate, I think, in the lead, and a, an Arab candidate from Saint Helena, of Arab origin, from Lebanon, and um, and some other candidates. But uh, what hopefully, con- we will see that it will be a what country? A
0: what country is the current head of UNESCO from?
1: Bukovina from uh,
0: Bulgaria. Mm. Um, well, I don't know. You you, you 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 basically paint a picture every time these things happen, or every time a battle like this has to be fought, that there should be a lot more outrage, a lot more reaction, and certainly you know tremendous anger. And I did see some tweets, and I did see you know certain representatives or those we would consider the fact the representatives of the Israeli government you know freaking out over this decision, which is good. Uh, But I don't know. I don't know. Based on your standards, the way you describe it, I don't know if the administration in Jerusalem is reacting as strongly as you'd like.
1: They did, and they did a a good job. But remember, the more Israel fights for it, the more the opposition... Will mobilize. So here, the United States, Nikki Haley, took a very strong position against it. They did make phone calls. The United States pulled out of UNESCO because they admitted the Palestinians, and recognition is automatically means suspension of U.S. participation, according to laws passed by Congress. And um, so, so I think the United States, others, it's very difficult to win a vote in the United Nations and in a body like UNESCO. Uh, it, it demeans the UN and undermines its its importance and significance every time it, it does this uh, there is a, a predictability to it uh, although I think now we we saw in the vote on Jerusalem earlier in the week where a number of African countries uh, turned and and the vote was 10 for and the 10 against with the, the abstentions the votes against and the uh, somebody's absence. So they got a, just about half of the votes. Usually this moves by much bigger margin and today as well. The abstentions are essentially a, a way for people to vote no who don't want to go against the consensus or, or fear of the consequences. But this is, this is something that's been worked on and uh, campaigned about for a long time. We knew this is coming. If you know, I've warned about this for yeah. years on the show when it started back in Amman. And then I believe... Even the Israeli government did not take it seriously enough.
0: Uh, No question about that. Uh, Or at least that's the impression. Um, India's leader comes to Israel, uh, Prime Minister Modi, a historic trip uh, to the Holy Land. It was fascinating watching uh, uh, the leader of 1.3 billion people uh, come and speak to a prime minister of, what, 7, 8 million people at this point? And and I'm not saying... uh, begging for a uh, um you know for business relationships but certainly you know encouraging the jewish state to uh, recognize india's role and how the two of them together can you know continue to make progress in technology etc um did that come to your mind that this that this leader of one almost one and a half billion people is coming to israel to negotiate or lay out the platform for what they think their future holds
1: I think it's tremendously significant, and uh, I spoke about it the last couple of weeks as the build-up to it, and once the date was set. Because I do think this is very significant when when Modi stood with BB You had people, two leaders representing 1.39 million people, uh, nine million Israelis, and 1.2 or three. Um, yeah, I have here
0: uh, 1.33. It's pretty amazing.
1: Yes. So, uh, and then when you add to it Israel's relationship with China and growing relationship, you already have almost half the population of the world. And so when people talk about Israel's isolation, this is uh, a a demonstration of the, the falsity of that argument. Here, Modi did not go to the Palestinian Authority. He said he met with Abbas in May, and he said, "You know, you had your time. Now I'm only going to Israel." He visited Yad Vashem. He walks with Bibi on the beach. He he visits with uh, Moshe holtzberg the ten year old, now ten year old, then two year old uh, son of of the of Rabbi Mrs. Holtzberg, who were killed in Mumbai, and he invited him to to India, and and the little boy made a. very warm and moving remarks that he missed India and his uh, nanny who saved his life was there as well and Bibi said that he would take him when he goes to visit uh, uh, India and and this is an important message remember India is the second largest Muslim country in the world and the the significance goes beyond just the trade agreements, I mean, agreements that ranged from military sales to um, how to deal with extreme temperatures in outer space, to um, training young leadership, They, they, he also visited the cemetery in Haifa where there are the bodies of Turkish soldiers who were killed in 1918. I think about 900 of them were killed, not Turkish, Indian soldiers who were killed in 1918 in the battle with the Turks against the Ottoman Empire. Uh, They fought together with the British army and uh, they actually redeemed Haifa from the Ottomans and the, um, those who were, they were buried there in, in Haifa. So, uh, the Modi went to pay uh, tribute to them. There's actually an annual Haifa Day in the Indian Army where they pay tribute to those uh, to those who were killed. These are two democracies. They were created virtually the same time, recreated, I should say, in, in Israel's uh, side, and uh, and they have in common. They face common challenges from terrorism, uh, extremism, etc. And uh, I think Modi, who's when he was governor of Gujarat did a great deal of trade and other things with Israel, and I think attributes his success and his ability to move up uh, to that engagement with Israel and the successful implementation of many agreements. So this is the first sitting prime minister of India to visit Israel. I think it's a, a historic breakthrough in coming on the heels of all the visits to Africa and the visits of Africans to Israel, and I think on a forthcoming trip by the prime minister to South America that, uh, in this time of chaos and turmoil, uh, Israel is being accepted. And there is no peace agreement yet.
0: Can Westerners, um, uh, Jews included,
1: visit India? 100% and very open and there are still synagogues. There There are about 100,000, some say 85,000, probably some will say less, Indian Jews living in Israel. They had an event, I think 10,000 of them came out to greet the prime minister at one point. Uh, and there are still remnants of the community in India. And um, absolutely, you can visit safely.
0: And there'll be a military deal between India and Israel, where I- India is going to be purchasing Israeli-made weapons. Yeah, sales uh,
1: are many hundreds of millions of dollars already.
0: And uh, of course, as I as I alluded to, and as you gave us specifics uh, when it comes to technology, and it comes to uh, uh, different areas of technology, they are ready to work along with Israel to advance. Uh,
1: you know immeasurably i mean just they already are and they will be doing uh, much more i think in that
0: regard pretty amazing the whole thing i, I think is incredible and, and sometimes we have to stop and think <laughs> especially uh in light of what we just opened up with this unesco vote and we right. we always and you mentioned the isolation we always get this impression the whole world hates us and hates us etc uh, and whether there is deep-seated hatred or not is not the issue. The issue is that Israel is, a, is in a position in the world right now with only 9 million people uh, where all these large nations are, are are coming to to see Israeli leaders, where, as you described, an Israeli leader is about to go to South America and be welcomed there and goes to African nations and is welcome. And I contend that with the right atmosphere might even have been able to secure, if the President of the United States would handle things a little bit differently during his trip to the Middle East, secured peace agreements with cousin with, with the countries outside of Jordan and Egypt in the Middle East. Uh, we sometimes don't realize the historic time that we're living in. Well,
1: Israel doesn't need peace agreements, they need trade and other agreements. Thank yeah. God they're not at war with anybody outside of the region. But on the other hand, we saw the Mennonite Church this week vote to divest from Israel, the South Africa, the leader of South Africa... Uh, the, the ANC, the African National Congress, wants to vote to downgrade the diplomatic status of the Israeli mission. Um, and this at the same time when the study showed that half the students on, on South African campuses don't even know what the Palestinian-Israeli issue conflict is and have no interest in it. The, um, but you have uh, Zuma, the leader, who has um, proven to be very hostile. Um, so it's not that everything is rosy, but well,
0: there goes my chance of staying positive on a Friday morning. <laughs> I well,
1: know but these are minor compared. Look at the Indian, look at South Africa, I look agree at the, the other African countries, and who will benefit and who will lose. I totally agree. But uh, we still have challenges. Is my point that, yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. we have to work with the friends and say thank you and encourage them. But
0: the but, but the collection of friends is getting so large. I mean, you
1: know, it, never it, large enough.
0: It, that's true. And too many That's friends. true, but Israel's got a lot of support against the bullies on the school playground. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people behind them right now. A lot, yeah. a lot, a lot of seniors. There are a lot so, of seniors
1: standing. A lot behind. of that has to do with the tone that comes out of the United States, and when at the United Nations or other places, the, the United States stands up for Israel, and it's clear uh, about that the alliance and the significance. If there are ever questions or when uh, there are strains in that relationship, everybody tries to exploit it and that was the point of my comment to president obama in the first meeting that has been you know reported over and over again about the not being public daylight between the two countries because right. the enemies of both will exploit it and and when they see that that the that the united states distance itself or appears to distance itself from israel then they say look if if Israel, with all the lobby, with everything else, can't, can't, because what chance do we have to have support? Right. Understood. So, it is a positive message that comes from the leadership that, and Britain also, and Britain is now talking about pulling out of UNESCO also.
0: Oh, interesting. That, that would be a big step. It would be a great step. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard and listened sponsored digital radio around the world in the web at com on the NahumSegal Network, and of course, on our beloved nsnf anybody who makes a threat against the president of the united states has to be investigated by the fbi is that accurate yes um linda sarsour someone pointed out to me actually um called for a jihad against the president should we assume that someone like this especially as high profile as she is is in fact being investigated
1: uh, that I don't know. I've not heard, uh, but she seems to get a pass on everything. Right. And even from high-profile elected officials and others who stand, and yet you see that she uh, continues to make these, these terrible comments. She spoke about Hamas or something, uh, at least there were reports of that, but, but certainly on uh, has consistently uh, taken extremist positions. She spoke at the... Uh, Islamic Society of North America, I think, or another forum uh, recently. So she she seems to get a buy and uh, um, get support from, from quarters where she ought not to.
0: Yeah, people are very concerned about her freedom of speech, but,
1: uh, you know. Yes, the- but freedom of speech is not freedom to, to yell fire, and it's not to yeah. incite. And, and even if she has the right to say things, then people have the right to to isolate her, and to deny her platforms. All
0: right, um, all right what prompted the uh, statement by the Conference of Presidents regarding um, uh, Mahmoud Abbas and his commitment to rewarding Palestinian terrorism? Has he gone ahead and uh, and renewed that commitment?
1: He, he made a public statement, again, saying that they, and so did other members of his government, clearly repudiating all of what he said and, and the uh, uh, understanding the United States and the uh, message that he has received from Europeans as well, saying that they will not stop the funding. They may come up with new subterfuges, but they uh, he, he uh, announced it again, and it is imperative that people understand w- what this means and how much money uh, goes. They, they support some 30,000 people. It's over $300 million that it goes to, to those who... It doesn't go to regular criminals. It goes to those who carry out under the category of fighters, uh, meaning that they were engaged in terrorism. They had to be directly involved in it to qualify uh, for these funds. And that they're saying it's social welfare. I mean, all sorts of things. Here he cuts 6,000 jobs in Gaza uh, in order to put pressure on Hamas. He's trying to take over there. And this comes at a time when we're seeing an upheaval there with Dahlan coming back from Uh, from the UAE, where he has been living for years. Atahlan was a leader there in Gaza, and he was expelled when Hamas took over. He went into exile. Now with the backing of Egypt, he's coming back, it looks like, and it could be the leader, and Hamas and Abbas will both be sidelined. But there is a, a lot happening, and it has the backing of others. Egypt just opened the crossings from Rafah, which are closed, I think ten years ago, when when Hamas came in, and they they spent millions of dollars uh, fixing it up and, and building a, a crossing that goes both ways. Now,
0: is that going uh, to uh, affect Israeli security? I mean, is that going to be a, uh, a much bigger concern now that it's open?
1: Well, the hope is that it it's, uh relieves some of the pressure about people being able to cross it. they don't because, they, they because Israel, the because
0: because the Gaza to Egypt uh, right. crossing will be more. Accessible now,
1: right? Exactly. That the um, that's one aspect, but the fact that they are uh, bringing in uh, Achlan Ania, who was the head of Hamas, and was headed to Qatar to to replace uh, Mashal, who was the titular head, and you know their base has been operating out of uh, Doha. Uh, now he can't find a place. Nobody wants him, and, and in the these guys were kicked out of uh, uh, Masham. These guys were kicked out of Qatar as part of the pressures that I think were brought to bear on them. And now they're settling. These guys are settling in Beirut, in a suburb controlled by Hezbollah, and I think it's called Dahniya. And, um, and th- this is uh, important because if they they find that they can't have the soft life that they had before. It takes away a lot of the incentive that that they've had. Um, And we hope that Turkey will do the same. They've said it over and over again, but we see that they always seem to come back to the the same position. So these leaders, uh, Salah al-Aruri and others, are now in Beirut, and we see that the, the isolation of Hamas seems to be uh, seems to be growing, and they are the ties between them and Muslim Brotherhood that have become uh, much more focus of attention, uh, and of, and therefore of opposition. They've cut off from a lot of their funding. Iran still gives them, we think, fifty million dollars a year, but it's uh, but other funding has dried up.
0: And do they care about the PA? Did have anything to do with them? I mean, sixty-two percent of Palestinians want Abbas out. Do they also want him out? Who's, who's no, Hamas, Hezbollah, and, the, and those other terrorist organizations that are aligning with Hamas? Do they k- even care about the PA and what it's doing?
1: Oh, they do care, and Hezbollah has lined up uh, with Hamas in the past. But Hamas obviously is the is the direct competition to to Abbas, who wants to take control of Gaza, a so he can say he speaks for everyone, and uh, b because the the polls, by the way, show in Gaza seventy five percent of them don't want the Abbas that they prefer. Even Hamas over Abbas in the West Bank, I think it's 55%, which is a pretty significant figure. And oh, so, have a majority facing or half uh, saying that they would um, engage again in the in the armed intifada. But at the same time, I think a majority say that they would favor uh, some form of negotiations. Um, the the um, uh, And it's very interesting to see the percentages who's, who talk about the corruption and the, the, they uh, opposed cutting off the funding to the PLO, to the terrorists, the Palestinian terrorists. But on the other hand, uh, I think eighty percent talked about the the corruption and how they have no trust in their own government.
0: Oh boy! I guess that's how the uh, you average the two, uh, the West Bank figure and the Gaza figure, and you get to somewhere in the
1: sixties that want a bus to. Uh, to right. And that's why he won't, doesn't want to face an election, yeah. and he's trying to remove Hamas now. After uh, playing with them and then being cut off from them, and they have they don't allow him to come. He hasn't visited Gaza you know many years.
0: Right. What's been the U.S. reaction to the uh, intercontinental ballistic missile that North Korea test launched on Tuesday?
1: They didn't like it. <laughs>
0: uh. I don't know. They never seem to be strong enough. I always think that unlike Iran where the U.S. sort of tells the world that they're ready to deal with it as their problem. With this, it always looks like they're just turning to China and waiting for their lead on the North Korea issue.
1: Well, China does have the the most important role here, and it's clearly not going to do what the United States Once, And China has many, uh, many considerations. One is that uh, if the fall of the North Korean regime and or the reunification of Korea, you it means you would bring an American ally or potential ally right to the border of China. They don't want that. This way, they have the buffer of North Korea between them and South Korea. Second, they their fear of the collapse of the regime is that you would have millions of North Koreans pouring across the border into China Mm. And they don't want that. Also, this is for them. Uh, it is a propaganda issue. It is a, a pride issue. They 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 are the major supplier. The trade, I think, eighty percent of the trade of North Korea goes through China. Some very significant figure. And um, uh, so, China is not going to take the necessary steps. It's hard to see how. You you uh, take away the uh, missile capacities, you know, that they launched this week, an intercontinental ballistic missile, at least, um, shows that they have the capacity and developing yeah, capacity all, I mean, for that. Yeah, that's I mean, China
0: can't ignore the safety and security issue. I get the trade and immigration issues, but there's a safety and security
1: issue, or is there not? Or is there no way? Well, that... I don't think that they feel that they are threatened uh, by it. I mean, they could... Just move their troops in and and destroy North Korea. I think fairly quickly, though North Korea's military is, at the expense of the people, is uh, is relatively strong. And and also, you have the danger that if you if you launch missiles, that they will in turn just launch at Seoul. And they said that eighty percent of Seoul, the capital of South Korea, would be could be eliminated in in a very short order and then uh, you'd have fighting don't forget we have tens of thousands of troops there it's a complicated situation yeah. but i think the 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 failure to show strength in the beginning and when as they developed this program and tolerating it as we did with iran and seeing you know the how iran has advanced its missile program and continues and they continue to test and, um, and continue to incite and all of the things which uh, the, the president has, uh, has spoke mentioned them yesterday, I think again, but has repeatedly uh, mentioned the the threat that they uh, uh, that they pose. So I'm sorry, we, we expect uh, to see some more tests by year end uh, of homemade missiles by by uh, Iran, so that they are advancing, and, and we're talking about longer range missiles. And, uh, you know, they attacked the crown prince of Saudi Arabia again, and they t- talked about his aggressiveness, and for a country that's engaged in aggression all over the region, <laughs> a, little, a little bit of chutzpah for them to do, but they have unlimited chutzpah in, in supplies that uh, never run out.
0: Uh, you mentioned the president a moment ago. He, he, I, I saw criticism that he didn't visit the Warsaw Ghetto uh, memorial, uh, Uprising Memorial, and then I saw that he went and visited. Did he cave into pressure or was always on his schedule?
1: I think his daughter visited the memorial. I did not see that the president visited unless that happened He did not initially. He went to the Warsaw Uprising site, right. not the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising site. Ah, there was okay. criticism that uh, that he did not, and that presidents for the last 25 years have always, in visits to Warsaw, gone to there and laid a wreath got it uh, imanka did it without press i think and then later they released uh, the photograph of it uh, the chief rabbi uh made mention of, of poland uh expressed regret that the president didn't go but he accompanied her on, on the visit there the the warsaw uprising there were two there was one against the russians but there was the one in 1944 from august to october as i remember uh which was uh, uh uprising against the nazis but the Ghetto uprising that we know, the Warsaw Ghetto uprising was in 1943. Um, I think on the it began on the 13th, 19th of April, and then and 13,000 Jews were, were were killed there, uh, half of them burnt alive. So the, uh, when uh, Jürgen Strupp, who was the Nazi general in was was in charge, and when he tried to take it over and evict everybody, and they resisted, everybody knows the hopefully knows the story of the Warsaw Ghetto. So that. There are two Warsaw so uprisings, and people did not feel that the attention was given to it. And with the rise of anti-Semitism in Europe, there was an opportunity. Um, I think the president did not mention it at one point in his uh, in his remarks, mm-hmm. but I haven't read the full text yet.
0: Yeah, he spoke about the uh, uh, the Jewish um, resistance, Terrorism, right? Um, What do you think was the content of the conversation between uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu and President Putin uh, regarding the Golan
1: this week? Well, first of all, uh, Israel is very concerned about the growth of the presence, which, again, we've talked about for a long time here, warning about this development of hostile elements, including the Iranian-backed militias, the Syrian army uh, elements, and others in what they call the buffer area between Israel, the Golan, and and Syria. And now we've seen uh, others entering the area. Israel does not want to have Russia be in charge of it, and they went to the United States to, to urge that Russia not be in charge, and they've gone to the Russians, I'm sure, to tell them, we will not tolerate the growth of any presence of, of Hezbollah, of uh, the mil- iran-backed militias and others that would be a direct threat to Israel's security israel's taking many precautionary measures in that regard uh, along the its northern borders Golan and and, um, and lebanon uh, the iranians constantly threaten about this and say that the, the new situation will allow them access to israel's border and they're building that road that will go from iran through Iraq and Syria, and Lebanon, but brings them close to the border of Israel, and they will have then supply routes, etc. So, the, uh, the so I'm sure that Mr. Netanyahu made very clear that they don't want any clashes with Russian troops. They don't want to have clashes, but they will not tolerate errant fire, let alone intentional fire, or the buildup of a capacity within striking distance of Israel.
0: Boy, oh, boy. Um
1: and Iran by the way was uh, there's a case in Ontario Canada where the court upheld a 1.7 billion dollar judgment against Iran for American victims uh, of terror so this comes after the uh, the seizing of the Alavi uh, Foundation and the court ordering uh, that uh, they could claim that building which is worth between a half a billion and a billion mm-hmm. dollars and others to pay victims of Iranian terror uh, and that, uh, some of them include, includes um, American victims from the Lebanon bombings, you know, from Marine headquarters to the acts in Israel against uh, they took the lives of, of the
0: people. You're one of the greatest advocates for taking them to court, and
1: we're seeing a lot of results in that regard. And we're seeing that, that now these two rulings certainly are going to, because most of the assets in America have been tapped here now in Canada where they have bank accounts and other holdings, they can be also taken. Uh, so it it will create increase the pot of funds available to those who were victims.
0: Bougie Herzog is out as labor leader in Israel, labor party leader, I should say.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, he came in third, a distant third, uh, behind Amir Peretz, uh, and I think he, uh, who came in first, and it's interesting that the, the second place is the candidate who was a member of Kahlon's party and served in the, in the government, uh, and then left and joined, uh, labor. Avi so, Gabay. Yeah, Gabay, yes. And, uh, uh, you know, he's relatively unknown to people, certainly Amir Peretz, who was head of his and was Minister of Defense for a while, and um, is is much better known, but it's, it, is, uh, it is a sign of the turmoil within uh, Labour that somebody comes from a relatively unknown position and emerges uh, as the number two candidate, and Barack came out, former Prime Minister, and endorsed Gabay where the history leadership and or the others have came out for Parrot. So it'll be an interesting race to see and ultimately to analyze. I don't know how many people will actually show up to vote. It's very <laughs> hot in Israel. So they vote the first time and not that many, and then it diminishes when you have a runoff. Right.
0: Um, the three weeks start on Tuesday. Um, not to spend too much time on it, but uh, I think... Um, I think we need to publicly bemoan the fact of how sad it is when noticeably Jewish people or noticeably Jewish couples are arrested for activities they should not be involved with. And it's a very sad episode uh, and many episodes, unfortunately, for our community. And I think sometimes uh, you encourage us to uh, take a step back and analyze some of the things that are happening within our community.
1: And to hold people to account, there has to be a sense of responsibility, and there are no excuses, and it's a chilah Hashem of the first order, and uh, there are no excuses, you know, need and other things. There are legal ways to do things, and that's the way you have to do it. And again, we should not, people are making blanket accusations, and anti-Semites are exploiting this. It's, it's a very limited number, and it's... Um, and it is being addressed. It's been condemned by the leadership. You don't see that in other communities where people are engaged in, in fraud actions of any kind. So uh, we should recognize it, and I hope that the that you know nobody tries to excuse it away by any by any measure. People are entitled to the same treatment and to the equal rights and benefits that the government provides, but no right to take advantage of it or to to do things that are are improper, and we can't convict them until we know, until they have their day in court and everybody knows what all the details are, but certainly on the surface and the reaction in the area particularly, but I've heard from and know that news reports all over the country have covered it.
0: That is correct. Uh, I'd argue all over the world. Uh, and finally, because we have to end with some good news, um, the Maccabiah has begun in Israel. Uh, 10,000 uh, athletes and representatives in the entire world, over 80 countries. Uh, it's the Jewish Olympics. Uh, a lot of people uh, you know, find it to be a hokey event. A lot of people think it's very serious, like I do. And I think that if we, again, as we pointed out so many times in the past, if we think back generations, uh, I don't know if our ancestors and forefathers would have been as enthusiastic about the sports competition as I am, but they certainly would acknowledge the fact that it's pretty cool that we have a Jewish state that's able to house that type of event. Or how would host that type of event? Uh,
1: I think so. And anybody who's ever participated, especially in the opening session, it is overwhelming. It is an amazing demonstration when you have people. There are 43 sports. You have people from 80 countries, uh, I think 10,000 athletes, and then you have all the families and others who come for it as well. It, uh, I know that sometimes uh, in Jewish history, the Olympics and the stadium and things like that were not always uh, seen in the most positive way. Um, but uh, by Jews because we were often the targets of the alliance. Right. But the, um, but this is really an amazing demonstration. It involves many more who compete and uh, participate in the trials and the build-up to it throughout the world. and And they all come with their uniforms and different designs and you you see the degree to which it really is an important manifestation. And by the way, on the good news also, there's going to be a new airport in Israel near Eilat. That's right. Uh, the Ramon Airport, it's named for Ilan Ramon, who unfortunately died, uh, the Israeli astronaut, and his son Asaf, who, who died in a plane crash. He was a pilot, and the plane fell, and truly two remarkable people and uh, so the new airport is going to be named for him and it will accommodate up to 2 million people a day near a lot in the in the arava valley so it's uh, also a new sign of the growing tourism and and hopefully be bring new prosperity to the south of israel
0: i'm telling you if we don't realize because we're living it we don't realize the miracle that's happening every single day In the Holy Land, Uh, the future of the Jewish people is, of course, in the state of Israel. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak next week. There he is, Malcolm Holmline, with the weekly update.